Where is your freedom? Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Turned On Podcast, and today this is going to be a rallying call for the spirit-led entrepreneur, but more importantly, this is going to be a question of why aren't you winning? If you are a entrepreneur, a Christian entrepreneur, if you have children who are either going to college or starting in the workplace, you are going to want to listen to this episode today because it is all about the freedom that we possess inside, the God-given freedom to pursue our dreams. You know, Frederick Douglass said that freedom is a road seldom traveled by the multitude. And right now, Angelique and I plan to lead Christians and lead people to the economic freedom and the spiritual freedom because they're not independent of one another. They should be done in conjunction. And today on the Turn Taunton Podcast, we are going to unwrap that. Hello and welcome to the Turned On Podcast. I'm Angelique Nori, and my husband David and I have made it our mission to break the darkness by flipping the switch on the four most important areas of your life in health, relationships, business, and in faith. And sometimes the light in the world and in your life can go dim, either from the intrusion of technology or simply because society is so driven by instant gratification. It's our mission to help people see that we're hardwired for connection and that the best things in life come when we turn on the light to see with new eyes the opportunity that exists just a flip away. So if you're ready to stir your spirit, open your eyes, and profit in all areas of your life, then let's get turned on. Here we go. Today's all about winning. If you want to win, then you're going to want to listen to this. We are doing episode 162 as kind of a follow-up to last week's amazing talk with Monica Crowley, episode 161, where we unwrap what it means to be ambitious. How are we going to show up in the marketplace? How are we going to show up day-to-day and reclaim that ambitious nature that built this country. We will not hide. We will not lower our expectations. And this is not something that we're saying. This is something that is biblical. We want to market. We want to succeed. Like we said, in no place in the Bible is debt viewed as something positive. It is always negative. So today, Angelique, I know you're excited because we've been really researching this topic. We got some Great information, and we're going to talk about you, the entrepreneur, the backbone of America. If you run a business, if you are thinking about starting a business, if you are in the gig economy, if you have young children and you are worried about their future and how they are going to make money, we're going to tell you. So, Ange, what's the first thing that you think about when I say the word ambition? Because We have to get that ambitious nature back. It has to be the meat and potatoes of our business. Separation. I think of separation. I think of um, ambition being uh, a a spirit, essentially, that, well, it can go one of two ways. Now, that's what I'm going to talk about, too. Um, But it pulls pulls those that are set apart away from the rest. Now, I'm going to challenge you here. 
David, what is the what is the term what the one percent mean to you? You have no idea. I'm going to ask you. By the way, well, I, well, what we know from the news is we've been tried to vilify the one percent. If you are a one percenter and you asked a crowd of a thousand people or a crowd of eighty thousand at a football game, hey, will the one percenters raise their hand? You know, it's been a a marketing ploy of the socialist to say that you are a bad person if you are successful. And I would dare to argue that most people would not raise their hand even if they were a one percenter because um, we've vilified wealth and success. Who's the 99%? The rest. What do they consist of? Most people, the middle class. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to, you have no idea what I'm going to say, by the way. He has no idea what I'm going to say. I agree. I, I totally agree. But I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you guys a little bit for a second. I'm going to challenge you because when I think of ambition, I think of a couple of things. I think of the world led ambition. That does things the secular way, and I think of the spirit-led ambition that does thing the ho- things the Holy Spirit way. So instead of it being the one in the ninety-nine, I'm going to ask you a question: What if the one percent were a lot of the world-led leaders? You know, the head-led leaders, the money-led leaders, the opportunity-led leaders, innovation. I'm thinking of like Bill Gates and the Jeff Bezos of the world, right? Where there's like the elitist society um, of people that have ungodly amounts of money not that money is the bad thing but what are they driven by is the question now i'm not here to say that there isn't a spirit-filled christian business owner entrepreneur that sits in the one percent i am not saying that but what i am saying is what if because if we what good is we if, if we attain the entire world but we lose our soul what good is it if we attain the entire world but we lose our soul? What if it was we were the two percenters? And what I mean by that is we were always submitting and yielding ourselves to God, that we are spirit-led and God-led, that we still sit at the top, that we still have ambition, that we still can follow our favor, that we still are working within our gifts, and we are still within the marketplace, not of the world, but in the world, using our gifts in the marketplace because that's where we spend the majority of our waking hours. And that's what I really want to challenge you to today. Because I believe the 98%, like he's saying, is the everyone else. There's, I think there's too many of us potential two percenters that are playing in the 98% pool. I'm talking to you, spirit-filled entrepreneur, kingdom entrepreneur. I'm talking to you, Christ-centered family, I'm talking to you because if we are working within our gifts and talents that we have been given to invest in, then why do we choose to remain silent? Why are we keeping them for Sundays? Why is it just for the greeter at the door or the guy in the parking lot or the usher in the aisle or the the tray passer? Like that is not where your gifts are. We are supposed to be fulfilling the mission of of the bringing the kingdom here on earth, showing who Christ is in our daily walk to culture where we spend the majority of our waking hours. And that is the marketplace. David. Yes. Of 132 public appearances in the New Testament, how many do you think occurred in the marketplace by Jesus? Well, um, I know I told you before. Yeah, so it was at least 100, right? Yep. 122. Say it again. 122 public appearances 
Jesus' public appearances were in the marketplace. Out of 132, that means 10 of them were not. David, (laughs) of 52 parables Jesus told, how many uh, do you think had the workplace context? 45. Ding, 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 ding. 45. 45 of 52 parables Jesus told. Workplace context. Hello, spirit-filled entrepreneur, kingdom entrepreneur, kingdom family. Where are you doing your work? How about this one? Of 40 divine interventions recorded in Acts, how many occurred in the marketplace, David Nori? Of uh, 49? I said, no, of 49. Of 49. 40? 39. 39 occurred in the marketplace. There's this like general sense in like institutional church culture that if your salary, this is a a direct quote, if your salary isn't paid for by a Christian themed organization, i.e. like your local church or mission boards, parachurch ministry, etc., that you're a crowd Christian. (laughs) 85% of God's people in the developed world work in a for-profit company. Is your business for profit? I mean, if you have a if you have a true ministry, I'm, you know, where it's not prof not for profit. This is almost a separate conversation. But if you're in business, if you work for someone that is for profit, or you work for yourself that is for profit, why? Why do we do things the way the world tells us to do things? What if the ambition that separates the one from the two percent? Is the difference between someone that is world-led, i.e. culture-led, i.e. political correctness-led, mm-hmm. i.e. woo-woo-led, i.e. I'm going to broad-brush this entire conversation, even those that put scripture on their business cards versus spirit-led? What if? Well, i tell you what. Like anything else, I have to, I have to give you an asterisk, a warning, um, <laughs> is that the world of economics and what we call the free market has been infiltrated by the devil. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not just kidding. What you see right now is a devastation of the free market and ambition. Um, and it's, it's from, I dare say it, people who claim Christianity and this is nothing new. Mm-hmm. And, and so I want to tell you, the audience, that you are the body. And sometimes what happens here in the earthly world, who's, the, who's in control of the earthly world? Satan. Yeah, okay. So, Sat- could it be Satan? Right. So I, that's why it's up to us, the individual, not the leaders, but the individuals who go to, get up and go to work every day, put on their work boots, um, get in front of their computers, and, and try to really make an impact for their families and their communities and not the people that we would look to follow. And let me say this is because right now every single person at the head of the government making decisions is, in my opinion, under the guide of the enemy mm-hmm. and, and, and especially the biggest ones. Mm-hmm. The, the leader of Canada who mm-hmm. was raised in the Jesuit church and educated with the Jesuit faith. The leader of... France, who was raised in the Jesuit church and the Jesuit faith, the certainly the leader and the speaker of the leader, the president and the speaker of the United States is these people are Christians. 
with, say, Christian values, but we see what's happening to the world economy. And and here's the thing. When I say this is nothing new, is because if you look at what's happening between the free market and this push towards socialism, which people say Jesus would be a socialist, and, and I know you've heard this from us before, but this is so important because people are being led astray. Here's two huge examples. You have you have Hugo Chavez and Fidel Castro, mm-hmm. both Christians, mm-hmm. both who are on record as professing their Christian values to be a way out of poverty for the people. The late Cuban dictator Fidel Castro said, why should some people be miserably poor so that others can be hugely rich? Hugo Chavez, Venezuela's leader, would say, being rich is bad. It's inhuman. But guess what? Guess what? Both were extremely rich. Do you know how much Hugo Chavez was worth at his death? The guy who said that being rich is bad, it's inhuman, the Christian. How much will you think he was worth when he died? I have no idea. One large. What's one large? A billion? A billion. A billion. A billion. They said Castro had 700 million. Here's the thing. And even in their speeches... This is important before we get into this because I want to lead you as the individual. You are now the body of Christ, not the leaders. Um, Hugo Chavez, in one of his last speeches, says, Our Bolivarian Revolution is very Christian. He actually said that, and he compared it to um, Ecclesiastes and saying, you know, uh, for everything there is a season. But what people didn't understand is that they were using and corrupting under the guise of being Christian they were taking from the people and keeping it from themselves. That's exactly what's going on today. You have a uh, uh, that 1% class that is not the 1% of the workers. It's the 1% of the government people and the government contracts the and the big farmers, the elitists, yeah. under the guise of being Christians, saying they're helping the masses, saying they're going to help the middle class, that aren't. And what they're doing is getting richer. You know they're getting richer. You hear the stories about how much they've invested, about how much their families are making. They come to Washington Right? They come to Washington with a couple hundred thousand dollars. They leave multi, multi, multi billion millionaires. Okay? So we have to be discerning. And that's why I want you, the listener right now, to be your own best advocate. That's why we're going to tell you how to market like Jesus, how to market like a Christian, and so how you can find your way out of this recession that we're in, how you can survive the storm, and how you can thrive in what's coming, which is prosperity. So I think that there's a probably a lingering question um, that all of us ask. Now, I don't know the actual stats now, but according to what I was reading earlier, back in June of 2015, there were 4.3 million results for business books, over 178,000 results for leadership books, over 25,000 results for business leadership, 744 new releases in the last 90 days and 180 coming soon, all within that category. So I would venture to say that 98% of them were probably really valuable information, but most of the time, and David, you did a a video on this the other day, um, that, you know, you were like, three ways to this, five ways to that, 12 steps to this. And it's just like, okay, why does it always have to sound and look so robotic? I mean, if out of all those books that, you know, I just kind of named or mentioned the amount of them. Um, a lot of the key points in the content are going to sound and look exactly the same, same as if we're seeing on social media right now. But most of them 
are just filled with the same ideas and context. They're just stated in different ways. So if that's the case, and that's the way the world is doing things, and that's way, and, and it's the question we're asking ourselves: What does what does a um, you know a top one percent leader do? I think that's the wrong question. You know, I don't think it's about your steps or behavior or even your communication style or how you make decisions or ability. I'm not saying that's not important. I'm not saying that the things that we do and the order in which we do them are not important. I'm saying they're secondary. I think the real question we need to be asking is who is leading you? And I and if, if you're new to our podcast, there's only one answer uh, to that question in our household, and that's that's the Lord. That's the Holy Spirit. If if we are being led by the Holy Spirit, and that's our primary aim, then all the things that we do should be done through a filter of that primary aim. So of all the books, I mean, my soul and my body will be wearisome if I just focus on all the information out there rather than the implementation of what it takes. Because, I mean, let's face it. If I get to co-create a business with God, the God that knows everything has gone before me, do you not think that he has the plans of my business already? <laughs> do you not think that he knows step one through step finality? Like, of course he does. Yet we don't yield ourselves to that most of the time. And what we do end up yielding ourselves to are the three, the five, the 12, the 21 steps, the all these characteristics and stuff. And Ultimately, we end up on someone else's stuff, like in someone else's stuff, yeah. doing someone else's steps. It's again, not in, not that it's not valuable. Like we can go to a conferences and hear some really cool people speak yeah, and yeah. take some great notes. But if I am not passing that through the filter and discerning through the filter of the Holy Spirit, then I am not working within my assignment with my gifts. Boom. And therefore, I am always going to be left in the 98%. I believe that a spirit-filled Christian has an unfair advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get excited about that. Let's start to get people pumped up because here's the thing. I'm sick of being passive. I'm sick of people having the Ned Flanders mentality in the Christian workplace. You know, Ned Flanders is the famous character from Simpsons who just wore his sweater and his mustache and everything was, oh, ho-hum, and they made fun of him. You know what? I want to go away from Ned Flanders, and I look more towards what A.W. Tozer, the Christian apologist, coined the Holy Rebel. The Holy Rebel means someone you, you you could love somebody but not agree with what they do. Okay, and A.W. Tozer says this, a praying Christian is a constant threat to the stability of Satan's government. (laughs) The Christian is a holy rebel loose in the world with access to the throne of God. Okay, you need to be a holy rebel. Holy rebel servant. Yes, you need to wake up every morning. You know those T-shirts that say wake up, not today, Satan. You've seen people wear those. They wear them, but what are you acting like? A T-shirt is not going to get it done. Right. We wear T-shirts, we wear things, we know it, but wearing a T-shirt saying, not today, Satan, is not the same as waking up and saying, today I am going to be a holy rebel loose in the world with access to the throne, and I'm going to implement that into my business and the way I advocate for my either company, my employees, my team. (laughs) I was just thinking of a quote from 
And I, here we go with quotes, but from years and years and years ago, I remember reading and, you know, like, I think I put it on my Pinterest board and feel like, be the type of woman that when your feet hit the floor in the morning, the devil goes, oh crap, she's up. You know, that's, that's exactly what we're talking about. Like you are a threat out there. You are a threat to culture. You are a threat to uh, the modern world, the PC world. And by threat, it's in their eyes, but not in, you are um, an advocate and an ally of the kingdom of heaven and you're bringing it here on earth and you're loosing it through your mouth, through your words. You're loosing it by the life and death that is on your tongue. Right there. Hold on a second, because look, we are not here to chastise you. We're not here to cast aspersions. We're here to call you out. And what you just said is loosing it from the tongue. What that means is we want you to speak up. That means is the T-shirts are great. Mm-hmm. The T-shirts are fantastic. But your voice is 10 times more powerful than a T-shirt. You can't just wear a T-shirt and think people are going to get the message. It has to be in your actions and in your words. That's why you need to loose that tongue and speak up. You need to be the holy rebel, not just on an Instagram post, mm-hmm. but you need to be it every day within your actions and mm-hmm. how you conduct business. How many Christians have, have you known that we have worked around that – Throw scripture up on and they completely different actions. Listen, listen, listen. Just because there's a scripture on somebody's business card does not mean that they aren't a fence straddler. Okay, they could have one foot in the secular world and one foot in the spirit, the spirit world, and they're afraid. They are afraid to take the leap. They are afraid to get on the fully on the other side. And I'm not afraid. I am no longer afraid. There was one point in my life I was. And there were one point in my life when I was asking people that I was not yoked with in the kingdom of heaven for business advice, like, hey, can you look at my website and tell me what you think? And they said, you know what? It's too God-heavy. Take it down. Hey, that keynote you're about to do, a little God-heavy. Take it down. No, I'm not going. Sorry, that's not how I play. And if that means... If that means that I am going to be cast out of secular areas, then so be it. And David and I, I know that you and I can look at each other and say that we have left a lot, a lot of money on the table in the recent past because we were no longer going to sign blood covenants in areas where we were no longer mincing with the world. We have to take a stand. We, If something is not right with our spirit and that door has to close, it's going to look foolish to the world The same way it looked foolish to the world for Abraham to take his son up a mountain to sacrifice him. God asks us to do things that do not make sense a lot of times in the world's eyes, but his favor is on the other side of it through the faith that we exercise and the trust that we have in him. As long as we are done white knuckling the process and trying to tiptoe around everyone's feelings. Exactly. And here's the thing. God did not give Noah a boat. He didn't just put it there. What do you say? Build it. Build it. And you know why? It took a long time. Think about this, my friends. Right now, you want to do something. If you're getting fired up from this like we are, okay, you want to do something. He's not going to just put it there. You're going to need to show perseverance, persistence. You're going to need to be in the faith and have faith. He did not just give Noah a boat and said you're going to be saved. He said it's going to take you time. It's going to take backbending work to build this thing, and you have to believe in me, even though it's never rained. The rains will come, and you will be glad. Right now in your business, it may be a drought. You may never see. You might not have seen rain ever, and you might have to do some backbending work and have a lot of faith right now. But let me tell you, when God pours his blessings, and when that rain comes down, it's going to be a blessing. And right now, I'm going to read to you, as I tell you right now, first of all, that I love you guys. And, and we're not here to chastise. We're not here to show 
any type of uh, of finger pointing. We are no. going through this with you, and so let me. We're linking arms right, with you, exactly. listener, right now. This is this is a rally call because Amen. we're we're under the same tent. So let me do this next phase right here. As we slow down, we take that holy rebel, okay, and we take that energy, but we we just can't pound a fist either, mm-hmm. okay. I know Jesus flipped tables, and I know some of you want to be that holy rebel flipping tables. Lord knows that's me too. <laughs> but at one point, we have to slow down, take a deep breath. Tell our friends that we love them, and here's the here's the fruit. If there's one thing that I think we could use on this podcast that we've used for pretty much the majority of this year and we'll go into next year and maybe for the rest of the podcast is I will continue to ask you, where is the fruit? It is, it is one of my favorite things in the Bible. You will know them by their fruit, okay? And it, it has to be good fruit. So this next passage is for you marketers right there who might be cowering down, who might be only showing up 25% or 50% or maybe even 90%. And you're like, I just need that kick in the butt to let me know it's okay to show up for God 100% in my workplace. And I'm going to read this to you. It's from a book called Marketing Like Jesus. And you know why I love the cover? It's because there's a bunch of matches laying on the Mm -hmm. table. And they're all in black and white. And then there's one single match in color. And it's got a huge flame. Because what happens is you are that single match. Turned on. And you are in a bunch of other matches right now that are just lying there in black and white. And you will ignite them. And it is by Darren Shearer. Okay? Darren Shearer, Marketing Like Jesus. Here's what really got me to stop in my tracks and highlight it. As Christians, we don't want to feel the guilt and condemnation of feeling like we're manipulating people. Nobody wants to be labeled as pushy or self-righteous for trying to get people to adopt their cause, visit their church, or vote for their candidate. Nobody wants to be labeled money-hungry or greedy just for trying to get people to purchase their product, subscribe to their service, or donate to their charity. You got that? I felt it. That was me. He's describing me to a T. Angelique, how many times did I tell you, but I don't know if I, I want to be pushy. Mm-hmm. I believe in my book, but I don't want to force it on people. I believe in this product, but I don't want to push it too hard. You know, it's funny as he works with Christian authors because most of you act the same exact way. You're afraid. Yeah. Because you think that like once you get your words on paper that the work is done, but it's really not. It's just the beginning. Boom. So here's what he says happens. When this happens, we are rendered silent and unproductive by this Mm self-defeating, self-sabotaging condemnation that we allow to be placed on ourselves. Mm -hmm. This is the the Christian guilt. This is sometimes that Ned Flanders Mm -hmm. attitude. Mm -hmm. Our silence keeps us from doing work that is fulfilling, doing work that is improving the lives of people, doing work that makes a positive change in the world. Because why? Sometimes it's easier just to remain that passive member of society. It's easier not to promote proactively anything in life, and it's more convenient to sit back and criticize those who are actually promoting something. It is easier. I get it. Your your confidence has to come from a God confidence. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Every day you wake up and hit the floor, you can tune in to all the motivational speakers. You can go to all the conferences, but they're not waking up with you. Mm-mm. Those motivational speakers, those people that you're watching at the conferences, taking their note, they're not waking up with you. They're not going to bed with you. They're not breaking bread with you. You know who is? Jesus. That's right. He's there. Tap into him. He's there when you wake up in the morning. He's there when you go to bed at night. He's there when you break bread. He's there in the silent moments when you're on a walk, when you're in the gym, when you're just sitting out in your backyard, when you're trying to think of how you're going to get the motivation to make that next call, to recruit that next person, to make that next sale, to start that next business. Jesus Christ says, call on me. 
He does not want you to be struggling and poor. This is not the prosperity gospel. I'm not telling you to give money to us, and then you will have riches show up at your door. I'm telling you that God wants you to meet him halfway and make that commitment, and then you watch the floodgates open. Look, prayer, okay, if you're going to infuse God in your business and, and, and unleash this, like, again, loose the Holy Spirit in your business, you know, in your in your life, again, speaking life. Listen, we're we're here. We're here to finish the race. You know, we're here to finish the race, just like Paul said. We got to let go all the arrows from our quiver. We don't hold some back for a rainy day. Just the same as we shouldn't be just checking off prayer as a to do list at six forty five in the morning. That doesn't always work out. But you know what does? Taking a deep breath before I send an email. Lord, I need you right now. Where do you need me? There, we, prayer, God is omnipresent. I think we're always waiting for him to bend our ear and, and you know, be like an AirPod in our ear. It's not going to happen that way most of the time. Most of the time, he's, it's, it's still and it's quiet, but he is fighting for the bandwidth mm-hmm. to li- for us to listen to him. It's like he's on FM and we're listening to AM trying to get it through. It's just not going to work out. It's not going to work out. So we're going to have roadblocks. And so when you do go to these things and you get all hyped up and then you go home after that long walk home from, you know, hyped up an event or whatever, you have to remember something that God doesn't operate the same way that the world operates. So it's not going to be obvious. It's not going to feel natural. It's also not going to be popular. But your faith has to be strong enough. And you know what? You're going to be afraid that you're going to get it wrong. And you're going to mess up. I know I have. I'm a perfectionist and a recovering people pleaser. I'm always afraid I'm going to get something wrong. The recovering people pleaser in me has panic attacks when I can't please everyone or I can't say everything that is going to appease the world. That's because I'm not a friend of the world. You're not called to be a friend of the world. You're called to bring the kingdom on earth. That means the marketplace where you spend the majority of your waking hours, where your gifts are unleashed, where your words are loosed on behalf of of God and how he works. He wants to show his glory and show who he is to the people that are the unbelievers. This is where we get to be kind, but speak truth and love at the same time. A lot of times what happens is we start really strong, but we fade really fast. And I know I do this, and I've done it a million times. But if we can just tick away and tick away a little bit yes. at a time, like it's the statue of David is going to come out. Like we're going to be able to see the masterpiece because the master is behind the muscle, not your own. Amen. Amen, Angelique. Um, I'm going to ask for the ear of the struggling mom or dad right now. I'm going to ask for the ear of the entrepreneur who has, in the last two years of this pandemic, um, watched watched what was a very fruitful life uh, often uh, struggle. Um, you know, we, we'd be ignorant to say that these aren't probably the most trying times in any of our lives right now, um, hands down. I'm going to ask for the ear of maybe the person who um, whose spouse had to go back to work because yeah. um, they're struggling financially. I'm going to ask for the ear of the of the mom who's running her home-based business and she's got kids at home because they're homeschooling and she doesn't know how to juggle the things right now. And, and, it's hard. and there's times where she just, 
you know, gets either angry at her kids or frustrated at herself for not being enough or doing enough and not being able to juggle everything. I'm going to ask for the person's ear who, who got laid off this year or um, who just finds themselves in a season where, wow, the stress seems overwhelming. You know, mm. I wrote my book, The Pursuit, after being inspired by something I read about the verse Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven is eleven is one of the most popular verses among what we call prosperity gospel preachers. It goes, and I'm sure you've heard it before, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and plans for a future. And you know what? That is often taken out of context because there was no immediate fix. You know, we'd like to think, you know, if you if you know the first passage of the book of Habakkuk, uh, he's like, God, when are you going to come down here and, and show yourself and take away all these all this evil and these people that are, you know, deceiving people and doing wrong things? And God said, you know, be patient. He's like, what I'm about to do, you won't believe. And we're in a season right now, just like that ark, um, where it might not rain tomorrow, and you might not get that boat built in one day. But you have to remember, 2911 is about perseverance. It's, am I enough? You know, I had a friend uh, pull me aside and says, is God enough? You know, when we were talking about business, I'm like, where did that come from? You know, here we are talking about business strategies, and you ask me, is God enough? Because sometimes he's the one who has to get you through these tough times. And, you know, money is fantastic. We don't want anyone to be poor. We don't want anyone to struggle, but these are trying times. And I'll tell you this, um, when it comes down to uh, the the verse in Philippians, which I told you about A.W. Tozer um, referring to, you know, using God and, and inviting him in and, and being a holy rebel loosed on the world, um, there was an interesting comment by somebody on that thread. This uh, young man named Jacob says, Philippians is known as the happiest book in the Bible, yet it was written in prison. The moral of the story, don't let the circumstances steal your joy. Um, Gosh, we watch family movies all the time, and it's amazing how just four years ago things were so different. We we had so much less of this struggle. In In the very first chapter of the book, I said, you know, we thought life was difficult before, worrying about our bodies and our <laughs> and our business and and things. And then you throw uh, you throw a virus into it, you throw socialism into it, you throw uh, uh, violence into it, you throw uh, all these crazy things that we're going to right now into it. And you're like, well, how can how can I be happy and focus and concentrate? Well, again, remember, Philippians is the happiest book in the Bible, and it was written mostly in prison. I want you to be happy, but I want you to be a holy rebel. I want you to be waking up every day and knowing that your best motivational speaker is in those books of the Bible. Your best friend and your best business partner is Jesus. Mm -hmm. But Angelique, tell me, for people who hear that and say yes, it's not easy. No. (laughs) You know, and and it's easy for us to just say it and get off the podcast and go, well, there you go. We gave you some, you know, we gave you some bread. Feed on that. No. Tell them what that means. It, it, because for for the for the lukewarm Christian or for the person who even for the believer who goes, geez, that's nice, but it it doesn't help because we are really struggling. How can Jesus be their business partner? Um, well, we have to be really hyper aware, you know, spiritually hyper aware. Uh, there's there's two ways. <clears throat> first, first it's through His Word. Okay, y- you got to get in the Word, and you got to get the Word in you. I'll say it again. You got to get in the word and you got to get the word in you. 
And what that means is it's you get to then hold every single thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You guys, beloved, you are going to be exposed to things on a day-to-day basis that are going to want to cut you down, push you back, tell you to silence that charisma, that God, that God-given gift inside of you, and and put duct tape over your mouth. You're going that. That's what's going to happen. That is what's going to happen. But you have to remember who your victory is in. That he became a curse himself for you. So it's really important that you have you get in the word. Know know who went before you. Know their struggles. Know what they experienced. Know what they prevailed through and persevered. Know when they doubted themselves. Know when when God taught them a lesson. Know when they went astray and when they came back. Know when they didn't get up and and do the thing that they were supposed to do. And there was some you know consequences with that. But ultimately, know that they walked with God. And when they did walk with God, there was victory on the other side. Amen. So you got to get the word in you, and then the Holy Spirit is going to be, a, a, it's going to be a still, quiet voice. You'll know. You know when you just say you just know? Like, there's there's always, how many times in your life, just, just take a personal audit, like, how many times in your life have you either made a decision, and you're like, man, I knew, I, ju- I just knew, I just knew I was supposed to do that. It was, in, like, intuitive. Or how many times did you make a decision, you go, I, I just knew I shouldn't have done that. That's him. That is him. And we have got to get so hyper aware and tuned in to that experience and spiritual awareness because he will guide you every step of the way. But again, if it does not filter through the word of God, Mm -hmm. then we know we are receiving the wrong message on the wrong frequency because he's trying to come in clear on FM and you're tuned into AM. Yeah. And, and we're, we're going to use the word co-creation. We use the term co-creating with God. You might have heard that before. Um, you know, a, a very well-respected Christian and who specializes in matters of finance, and I'm sure most of you know of, if not all of you, is Dave Ramsey. Uh, one of the things I put in my book, uh, a quote from him, Dave Ramsey so eloquently says, managing God's blessings God's way for God's glory. So you all have unique gifts. You have to manage those gifts for God's way and God's glory. Um, you're not supposed to hide them. You're not supposed to put them under a lamp. You are not supposed to uh, glorify the the God of this world, but you're supposed to glorify the God of heaven, okay? Christian author Lynn Miller says, stewardship is the act of organizing your life so that God can spend you. Think about that. Mm. Think about that, entrepreneurs. Christian stewardship is the act of organizing your life so that God can spend you. Maybe you're not organized. Maybe you're not focused. And God says, I I need you to do the work you're doing before I can do the work that you need me to do. I'm going to spend you. And you've got to realize that. And if you go back to where we're at right now, you have to realize that um, money is critical. Okay? It's critical. If you've ever said the Lord's Prayer— it's found in, in Matthew and Luke's gospel, then you know that most of you say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. However, in the King James Version of the Bible, it says, forgive us our debts as we forget our debtors. And you might have asked yourself, well, why are those two words sometimes uh, used differently or in different versions? Well, they're interchangeable because in the prayer, when you have financial debt, it requires payment 
the same way that sin requires a payment. You know, so Jesus paid for our sins on the cross, but debt can be a metaphor for sin. And in this world, we know that it is not good to be in debt, and debt doesn't just get erased by the government. It doesn't work. That money comes from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And and if you look at some of the terms we use in our everyday speech when it when we talk about debt and its relationship to death and pain, in the secular world, you hear phrases like, I'm chained to a mortgage. Yeah. I'm handcuffed to this car payment. Or we're bar- I'm strapped. We're buried under this mountain of bills. Yeah. So clearly there's an association between money and enslavement and even death. Okay? And it doesn't get erased. But let's not... I don't want anyone on here, especially those that are experiencing any kind of financial turmoil, to misunderstand what we're saying. You, If you are experiencing that, there, you are not any less noble, okay? But there is, again, life and death on your tongue, and there is a calling on your life, and there is a spirit, the Holy Spirit that has something for you. And unfortunately, we get trapped, okay, using those terms again, by the enemy that pull us back from receiving receiving favor and that is not prosperity gospel you guys there should be breathing room there should and here's the thing the breathing room let's let's just assume that it it wasn't money for a second would you not feel more breathing room doing what you feel god has called you to do than doing what you feel you have to do right now that is still keeping you in chains so at the end of the day, what I'm trying to explain to you is find that. Where where is God calling you? Like what is what is God saying to you today? And if and if you're not sure, like that's where we, we gotta practice. Again, you gotta take time. This is not a six forty five AM prayer. You gotta really, really take time. David, a few just a few weeks ago. When we sat in our morning room drinking coffee. <laughs> I knew this was coming. <laughs> <laughs> what was I saying to you? That was the first time that I was really honest in prayer. In no, 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 no. Oh. Me. What did I say? Oh, what did you say? Do you, yeah, see? You never listen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you, you just, a conversation. <laughs> okay. Clue me in. What was I saying about, like, even myself? What, do you remember? No? Nothing? Just nothing. Ah. <sighs> Ladies, Wait, for the guys, do you see what just happened? She says, remember that conversation we had a couple weeks ago? What was I saying about okay, myself? I was sitting, I was sitting, very vague. The, I was sitting in the, I was sitting in my chair. I was crying. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. All right. There you go. Give me a little bit of context. I was emotional. Yeah. You were, you were saying that I, I feel like my best days are behind me. Like yes. maybe I'm not worth something right now. Maybe I, maybe the uh, ship has sailed. my ship has sailed. Yeah. Yeah. I can't tell you guys. When, when I was just talking about those roadblocks earlier, like the, the, the obstacles that we're going to seek, you know, so it's going to feel, it's not going to be obvious. It's going to, you're going to, you're going to lose faith sometimes. You're going to maybe start, you know, start strong and finish and fade fast. You're going to feel like, uh, you know, it's not popular. You're, you're certainly going to feel like it doesn't make a lot of sense. And a lot of times you're going to feel stuck in your own stuff. And the reason why is because we can't often see our own blind spots. And that's why it's so important to be in community and yoked. Yoked with Christian mentors and partners and colleagues and peers. Because that's 
when when they come together, we can start being the real body of Christ. And if you're not yoked with that, that's the community we want to help provide for you. Um, but I'm not speaking about this and through this microphone and into your ears, uh, like again, like like trying to come down on you with a stick. What I'm saying is, I am walking in this with you. I was just there a few weeks ago going, yep, my, sh- my ship sailed. I have absolutely no idea what I should be doing. Like I had all this stuff like marble, like I felt like a ping pong machine going on in between my brain, you know, just ideas and thoughts and everything, just nothing felt like it had order or was going to stick. And I don't want to be doing this and I shouldn't be doing that, but I kind of want to do this and maybe it's that. And oh my gosh, I wish I could pinpoint the moment where it all started to click. But I will say it came through you know, a conversation with a colleague where they just asked a couple of questions and I was like, that's it. That is it. Because that question then revealed what I was thinking about all along, but it was just the right question for me to start seeking the Lord. And then the more I sought him, the more I started to research what it was that I've been doing all along, the more I realized, holy smokes, God has been there every step of the way. He has taught, like He has prepared me for this every step of the way. And if I had $100 million in the bank right now, I would do it anyway. And that is a clue. That is a clue to you, my friend who's listening. I'm only beating you down with this because I want for you to have that same feeling. For when, like, if, when you're in prayer, like, what, what is the Holy Spirit saying to me today? What is he, who's he telling me to reach out to? What do I sense is, is the Holy Spirit moving me to do in the future? You know, all kinds of things. But where does he need me to be? What, what, are, what are my gifts? What's my assignment? I have an assignment. God said it in Genesis to all of us. Be fruitful, multiply, subdue, and fill the earth, and have dominion. Do you know what the word dominion is? It's domain. You have an assignment. You have a domain. And you're able to rule over it. Not people, it, your assignment. And you have special gifts that are activated in you, that come so natural to you, that are harder for other people, that the world needs, that culture needs, that they need to see God in you when you're doing that, that will literally change their life. It will light the way for others. You will be like the match that David talked about. You will be the light because it will be his light through you. You will be turned on. That's the definition. We're led differently. We run our race and we finish it. And we keep the lights on. If we don't, Someone's going to keep blowing it out. And we're not going to have the strength to reignite it because we're trying to do it by ourselves. And it was never meant to be done alone. You have a comforter and an advocate and a partner, and Christ is the one, and he is with you, and the Holy Spirit is there all the time, omnipresent and omnipotent. And that is what you need to be in co-creation with to make sure that you are living a turned-on life with a turned-on business that serves the world with so much great impact that you leave a little piece of Jesus everywhere you go.